and welcome back to Think Green with your host, the Inner Sustainability Council, aka ISC. I'm Chelsea. I'm Jenny. I'm Liv. And I'm Ilma. This week, we'll be discussing mental health and sustainability efforts in the outdoors. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And just before we get started with our um, main topic, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some resources for any UCSD students listening to this podcast for mental health resources. You can find more events for Mental Health Awareness Month on the CAPS website, and we'll also link it in our podcast sources. There's a ton of UCSD resources that aren't just therapy. Taking care of your mental health could be taking a break from all things related to UCSD, or even hanging out with your friends or attending an online event together. CAPS is available not just for therapy appointments, but they also have other resources on their websites like handouts to kind of help you work through how you're feeling, maybe if you have any anxiety about your future. And the zone is also open now. So if you're located on campus or around campus, you can check them out for any programs or wellness activities. So just to get in a little bit of the science about mental health and the outdoors, Spending more time outdoors can lower cortisol levels, which is cortisol is your stress hormone. So you always want to have a decent amount of cortisol, um, not too high, not too low. Sunlight is also amazing and releases serotonin, vitamin D, which are all important hormones and vitamins for your mental health. Many people during the winter months or in places where it's perpetually cold experience sad, or seasonal affective disorder, which is where the lack of sunlight you receive affects your mood. I think they have like sun lamps now, which kind of mimic actual sunlight. And I know one of my friends who lives in New York has one of those and it's really helped her through the really dark New York winters. And as for personal experiences, I've been going on walks during quarantine and it's just a little time for me to recenter myself You know, thankfully I live in San Diego, so I get to feel some sunlight on my skin and get some exercise. I play my favorite music and just walk around either by myself or sometimes with my roommates. We live near UTC and CVS, so sometimes it's nice to just walk there and get a boba or like if we need some more dish soap or something, we can just go and pick that up as well. And today, actually, on this episode, we have a guest and her name is Hannah. And she volunteers with our department, and she is super excited to talk about her experience with the outdoors and mental health. Hannah, take it away. Thanks, Elma. I appreciate it. Um, Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here today uh, to tell you about my experiences. Um, So I grew up on a farm in Maine. Uh, So I did have some experience with SAD that Ilma mentioned. Um, In Maine, it's winter for like six months out of the year. but it is also very undeveloped. I had about 200 acres or more of forests and mostly untamed fields. It was a hobby farm, so it wasn't really farmed per se. Um, so I always had nature, just never even had to think about it not having it available. Um, and I went to school in upstate New York, which is also, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere, lots of nature, lots of outdoors. It was just a part of my life, and I never really thought about how important it was to me. Um, until I moved to Boston after college, and I didn't have a car. So my only access to any sort of nature was the Arboretum, um, which is a couple hundred acres of 
beautiful landscape, but not really accessible all the time. So I noticed that I was really, I was moody. I had no motivation. I felt mopey and depressed most of the time. Um, and it took me a while, like over the course of a couple of years, I started to realize that spending time in the Arboretum or going home to the farm really made a difference. Um, and it took me even longer to correlate that to realize that, you know, mental health, my mental health at least is directly correlated with being outside, um, not just outside, but in untouched wilderness. Um, so now I've sort of, I sort of created a personal study on myself, to be honest. Um, I basically track my moods, um, whether or not I've managed to be outside for two plus hours consecutively a week. Um, so I try to go hiking, I try to go mountain biking, go sit on the beach somewhere, but I'm looking for a place that's pretty wild um, and has fewer people so I can get like the really nature, direct nature experience. Um, and for me, it's been like shocking, honestly, to see how much happier and motivated and just ready to get up in the morning I am when I spend two hours in nature, even if it was like four days ago. Um, so I think that's super important. And I'd love to hear about the rest of your experiences with that. It's interesting that you um, say that because I noticed recently, I think two weeks ago, maybe it was last week, um, I went on a hike, maybe 5 a.m. Um, I, I don't know, we went to Cowles Mountain here in San Diego, but I went on a hike that morning and the rest of my day, what the plan was going to be was just doing work, homework. And I noticed that compared to on the days where I'm usually at home having to do work, my mind, it was clear. I did notice that. I felt clear. I could concentrate more. Um, in general, I kind of felt less stressed. And so I think, yeah, that, that point that you're making um, about it bringing more clarity. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Um, just to add on to that, I yesterday, I actually was preparing for my last midterm that I took a couple hours ago today. And I woke up yesterday morning and I was like, I'm just gonna study all day. I was a little behind on lectures. So I was trying to power through lectures and I almost had like a breakdown midway through the day. So I just left everything out and went on a walk. And when I came back, I realized that I should have taken a walk like hours earlier because I was so much more productive and focused and could actually sit through an hour and a half lecture without stopping and so it was weird that that happened yesterday when we're having this meeting podcast discussion today so that's my experience it's like mildly off topic but the whole seasonal affective disorder like i've always lived in like very very sunny places like i um, was raised in florida and then moving here even like those like a couple months when it's like a little bit colder and like a little bit rainy and like winter quarter is always my worst quarter because i'm so affect affected by like the cold which is like it's not even cold in san diego <laughs> i don't know because i like i said grew up in maine and i've always lived in places that had winter for extensive periods of time and i still like my first year here, I was like, this is amazing. I'm happy all the time. Like I'm awake, I'm joyful. And then this winter was my second winter and I'm back to like, it's cold and I can't go outside and I just feel sad and unmotivated and miserable. So I think there's kind of a version of it everywhere. And maybe a big part of that is that we live lives that are 
almost entirely indoors. Um, the average American spends 93% of their time inside. So when the weather's like a little bit less nice, it's probably even worse than like 93%. You're just never outside. So that's probably a big factor as well as the sunlight. I definitely think I notice a big effect because I'm also from the East Coast. I grew up um, just north of Boston and I definitely notice a big impact on my mood here when it's actually sunny outside and I have to be inside and I'm like missing that time where the weather is nice and I could be enjoying it outside. So in a way, I think that um, just finding time to take advantage of when it is nice is like almost a preparative act for productivity. I agree. I actually schedule my outdoor time now um, because, you know, I have a job, I volunteer, I'm trying to learn Russian. Um, I have a lot going on. So I will look at my week every Sunday and try to like schedule out at least one afternoon or two afternoons where I go on my hike um, or, you know, I'm outside and I just sort of like squeeze it in. I feel like that's something that we should all do. Um, like I was reading right before this that actually spending a consecutive two hours outside once a week or something like that, there's a study on it, um, but it actually uh, increases anti-cancer killer cells and anti-cancer proteins. So not only is it good for your mental health, but your physical health as well. Um, I feel like a big challenge to a lot of people who might be, for personally, I find this to be a personal challenge that I've been trying to work through is that just leaving the house is sometimes really difficult because of like it, even though you know that exercise and getting outdoors will help your mood, sometimes I don't recognize that enough to have it be motivating enough to leave my house if I'm like feeling low or feeling down. So I really think that that whole scheduling, planning ahead um, times, times throughout your day where you just not having anything to do. Um, I also have been really trying to schedule like trips more often. And I've definitely noticed that helping my overall well-being. Like I went to um, Pismo Beach a couple weeks ago and camped and made that reservation like three months in advance or two months in advance. And then I went to Yosemite and that was just like having one of those types of trips um, every month or every couple weeks even is so, has such a large impact on the rest of your time in between there. And I think that I'm gonna try to keep doing that. And especially because with a lot of campsites, especially now, because camping, I think, is a big activity that people have been doing since COVID regulations have become a little more lenient. It's pretty hard to get reservations, so do search about different availability. Um, there's a plane, but um, doing my research about different availability within state parks versus national parks and first come, first serve parks. Um, there's a lot available, even though it might seem like some stuff is all booked. My mom and I just booked um, Bryce Canyon and Arches National Park in Utah for the summer. I'm very excited. Um, but I feel like another thing I do to try to get outdoors, um, especially now in like the era of remote work, is like routinely taking activities like outside. Um, like sometimes I'll take my laptop like to Scripps and like study like right by the beach or um, even like reading, just like stuff that could be done inside, trying to 
get outside more. Yeah, I do the same thing. Um, compared to very early in the pandemic, like I would be inside all the time. I didn't really go outside and now I have slowly changed my habits. So when I have any readings I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go outside and do that. In between classes and work, like I'm gonna go outside and just like sit in the sun, soak in some sun, maybe for like 30 minutes to an hour. Um, I mean, I've even, even now more recently, I've started a garden with my brother and so now I'm outside more frequently because I'm trying to tend to those things. And I think compared, just like going back and comparing my mental health between the beginning of the pandemic and the end, there's a significant difference. And very early in the pandemic, I had a, like, a, I had like a little mental breakdown because I was just so stressed. And I think it makes sense that I was feeling that way because like, I'm just inside my room in front of technology um, you're basically, you're not in your natural element. And I can say this because we're, we're like a species. We're genetically programmed to be outside, but we spend most of our time indoors on our phones, glued to our phones. Um, I don't know. It's just, I feel like I'm realizing this more and more often these days and I'm becoming more aware of it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm just trying to be outside all the time. It was I think it was two days ago. It was really gloomy and I got really sad because I didn't, I couldn't sit outside and soak in the sun. But as soon as it came out again, I, yeah, I started sitting out there for hours and I'm, and I'm loving it. I have to just jump in because you called us a species and I'm going to nerd out really quick. Um, I'm reading this book called Sapiens and I literally just read the chapter that is talking about, I'm at the beginning of the book, but um, it, I'm, it's all about this chapter is about how we are really like still have the hunter gatherer programmed mindset in which we like only live outside. So the whole concept of hu the human species like in constant conflict with the fact that we now live in a constructed society that really revolves around an indoor environment is so fascinating in terms of like evolution and this podcast in general that last part didn't make sense too much but I hope you know what I mean definitely if you even I mean even if you think about like the way our society is structured even if you we just don't have the access like even if you're like choosing to be outside or even if you have a job that is mostly outside like nature is owned now you don't just have like untouched wildernesses that you can find and wander in and live in um like people used to you now it's like you have to have permission you have to follow the rules the woods closes um and in some ways it's really privilege related because something I realized during the beginning of the COVID pandemic um I lived in downtown San Diego and they closed all of the parks, they closed all of the beaches. And suddenly I had literally like no green space, which I was like in a panic. <laughs> it was horrible. And I was like, oh my God, if I can't pay to buy property or to rent property with land, then I just, nature isn't even mine to have. So the way we've rewritten society over, I mean, just the last like 100, 200 years, it's it's wild. It's not necessarily conducive to our biology. 
And I think even now, it's really interesting because as I scroll through social media, like TikTok, even just talking to people, I was talking to Jenny, oh, I think it was just last quarter. And it seems like a lot of people now, they're just wanting to go buy land so that they can just be immersed in nature and just live away from all the structure. Like people are tired and it's like more increasingly I'm seeing this constant comment, like I'm just going to buy my own land live like in a cottage somewhere like with animals and everything so yeah it's it's interesting to see that more and more frequently oh I was just gonna say that's my life goal like literally I just want to buy land and like save it from other people from the world just plot myself in it (laughs) go ahead yeah I was just gonna say like I've I've been seeing a lot of that too and like at first like I'm not like a super like nate like nature-y person is like what I thought but like the more I guess that I have done work and like in sustainability and thinking about like what exactly it means to like I guess love the earth and whatnot like I don't have to like enjoy I don't know like all these like different types of activities and like survival things like I can like I don't know what I'm trying to say but like so when I first saw the whole like oh I just want to like live on a farm and like raise animals or whatever I was like oh like that's kind of like interesting like I don't think I would ever like want that for myself but then kind of like the pandemic happened and like now like me and all my peers are faced with this like like super uncertainty like about like our future like about like the job market and like grad school and like any other like like life plans or anything that we had like like traveling and all that kind of stuff is all like it just seems like everything's been kind of like been paused and like there was all this like pressure like now that I see it it was all this pressure to have like a very like laid out planned out life and like you know like we just like weren't like really like built for that like of course like you know like it's good to like um like have goals and stuff but like if you think about like your ancestors like they like you know like they were just trying to like survive and like I don't know if having like a nine-to-five like having a nine-to-five job is now our definition of surviving but like it could be more enjoyable if you know, if you were like living your life the way in a peaceful and like non-stressful and anxiety producing environment like a like a nature reserve or like surrounded by animals in a self-sustaining place. So that's what I wanted to add. Yeah, I was actually in Joshua Tree um, this past weekend. We rented a house on 200 acres and just like spent the entire weekend outside. And it was kind of weird to think about the dichotomy of the society we live in because it's like you're either wealthy enough to afford untouchable or not. And either way, you're probably working a nine to five, which is like sucking your soul most of the time. And then you're spending the money you earn at that nine to five to go like catch a few moments out in the out in the nature. But if you want to do a job that's like being a forest ranger or you know a farmer or working closer to the land you're also making a choice to potentially make less money and it's just a very strange situation um but kind of on a related note i'm also like listening to everybody talk about their rediscovery nature and 
you know, how during the pandemic, everybody is in nature spaces a lot more. Um, I know that my hiking trails that used to be deserted are now like packed. It's kind of wild. Um, but I'm like slightly freaked out because like, I really hope that all of these people have, you know, now that they're out more and they're more conscious of how much they want to be in natural spaces, I think it's really important to also educate them on how to be in them safely and, you know, maintain those spaces and also keep themselves safe because there's so many things that people don't think about if they haven't spent their whole lives trying to work in a natural space. Like, you know, people tell you to put your dog on a leash, not to protect human beings, but because a dog off a leash is a predator and that's freaking out everything nearby. It's going to stop birds from breeding. It's like all these little factors that people don't think about or like toilet paper does not decompose. You should not leave it out there because if everybody does, the whole trail will be toilet paper. So it's like we need to find a balance as a society between enjoying nature and preserving nature. Um, you know, the, the two of those have to come hand in hand, which is something I stress out about when I'm in nature. <laughs> I think not to go back to this book and be obsessive about this book, but I think it comes back to that concept that we are just another species on this planet and not this like supreme, yes, we have developed incredible, an incredibly large brain that has allowed us to make incredibly rapid sweeping um, advancements in a short amount of time, but we still are just one of many, many, many species. And I think a lot of people just see this planet as something that we can use and different things that are for our benefit. But again, it's just like, it's what we're all here doing in sustainability is just trying to get everyone to refocus their priorities. I think the kind of like grind mentality or like like hustling and trying to like achieve the most you can in your life has kind of like made people like not think about these kind of things like their impact and stuff like that which is like really sad but you know like hopefully like you were saying like with our generations like emerging extra consciousness and activism and stuff that hopefully like we do start to like think more about what impact we have and our choices have on this earth. This is again like a little adjacent, but I took this freshman seminar, um, ERC 87 with uh, Professor Herbst called God, Satan and the Desert Experience. And it talks about the relationship with the outdoors that humans have from like a literature perspective and then post-industrialization industrialization and the development of motor vehicles and cars. And so being able to have physical access to remote areas and how um, like an entire society's like perspective on nature changed from fear to like fascination. Um, and then also a little bit about like the inaccessible, like the wealth disparity and accessibility to the outdoors. Um, but that was like a really interesting class. It's just a one unit seminar. Um, but yeah, also I think like outdoor spaces as a place of fear is very interesting to think about, um, especially because it is so beneficial for us as people to be outside. Also because we haven't been able to develop the skills that being outside require because being outside requires because we a lot of us haven't didn't grow up in like that type of wilderness situation so we don't know how to handle a wound or 
how to navigate based on what's around you? Yeah, I actually, so I got my degree in environmental studies. Um, so part of that learning courses was um, we had one class that was about the evolution of environmental thought and it focused mostly on Western cultures and how, you know, the main bulk of European immigrants into the United States, first settlers, colonists, were from countries that bear, like, Europe, most of Europe, much of Europe, mainly Britain, doesn't even have, like, its natural anything. There's, like, maybe one single old-growth forest in all of Britain. Um, so what their ecosystems are today and have been for hundreds of years is completely decimated. It's not what it originally was. Um, so these people are coming from a 100% tamed place, a place that's been tamed for like hundreds of years. And then they're coming to a place that is almost entirely untouched. Native Americans were there and they did actually make a lot more impact than it's taught generally. Um, but you know, they were working somewhat within the natural system. So it was freaking terrifying. It was basically like you take someone out of a city and you stick them in a forest where they can hear bears and you ask them to make a life. So actually American, I think, thought really evolved to be terrified of everything around us. And also the concept of conquering. I mean, I think the Bible literally says like nature is to be used and conquered. So it's just sort of been written into our culture for so many years that uh, we have a long way to go, but you know, there is promise. I have been using this meditation app called Balance and they have different uh, basically like car units for whatever you're looking for in a meditation. One of them is for um, driving or when you need to be like open-eyed or not even driving. I did it on a bus once pre-COVID and, um, and it was tricks about how to focus on being present. And I think that that's a big thing. Even when we do get the chance to go to nature, um, you know, we have phones and people take pictures of the cool sites around them. And so I try to take um, some of the things that I learned from this meditation app and um, such as like focusing on each sense individually. So focus on like, what are you smelling? Like what are, what is different about this location than maybe your house or like, what does the sun feel like on your skin, you know, and just really isolating each sense so that you can get a bigger uh, presence and uh, be just more in the moment. I think we're like pretty brainwashed to constantly be doing something. So I really struggle when I'm looking for my nature time. You know, my instinct is to go outside to my backyard and like garden or something um, or like bring my book outside, but I really struggle or work out. Um, but it's hard to just be outside and it just feels counterproductive. Um, so one of the things I do is tell myself that I am a predator and um, like a cat, I'm supposed to be laying around about 15 hours of the day. The way I live is not normal. So that's one of my psychological tricks. So I'm like, I'm just going to go sit there and stare into space. And that's really healthy. Like we never sit and just think anymore. I've like actually started scheduling outdoor sitting thinking sessions because your brain is constantly being stimulated by hundreds of different things. And you never just sit and daydream or like think about life or 
pond or I don't know, a nice toad. Um, another thing that I enjoy for nature is I do it out alone often. Um, you know, going on hikes with friends and stuff is great, but you're interacting with the people you're with and you're not really paying attention to what's around you. Um, it is, of course, important to be safe as a woman alone in the wilderness. You know, there are some safety considerations. So you want to keep that in mind. I can't give great tips because I can't say I am all that careful. <laughs> um, but that's for me, like being outside, I go on like four hour hikes by myself and it's better than therapy. Like I've gone to an actual therapist and I think the hikes accomplish a lot more and are a lot cheaper. Um, and if you have difficulty finding nature places, I use all trails and to identify like a green space. And then I use Google Maps to find where in that green space I want to go. Um, so, yeah. I'm kind of just jumping back to um, Jenny real quick. If you are a UCSD student, UCSD should be providing you access to an app called Headspace. So, and that's an app where you can meditate. Um, but that's just something that you should keep in mind if you're a UCSD student, or I think if you just have a UCSD email, I'm not entirely sure. But um, kind of on the same, kind of the same thing that Jenny was saying, where it's like you're when you do meditate, you want to engage your senses, and that's something that I've been doing um, recently. Like occasionally, I'll go outside at night. Um, we have like this big tree in our backyard, so there's a lot of fallen. Um, branches and logs and we dry them on the side of our house but occasionally we'll grab a couple start like a little fire and then I like to stare up at the stars and just look if there's clouds out I just look at them and just I'm just engaging my senses my yeah I'm engaging my senses um I try to listen to all the sounds around me put my feet on the grass but compared to uh just going outside and not really trying to focus on those senses, there is a difference. You do feel calmer. And so it's, that's just another reminder to when you decide to meditate or just to take a breath and be outside, listen to your senses. Because also some people try to, like they'll go outside and say that they're trying to be immersed and stuff, but they'll be on their phone. They're still on their phone. They're still trying to multitask. I think that's the same thing that Hannah was saying, but yeah just really engage in nature, please. Bouncing off that comment about the phone, uh, also wanted to mention just how important it is. I know this is a very talked about topic, but the importance of sleep on your mental health and the effects of blue light on sleep patterns. Um, blue light, um, as many of us probably know, decreases melatonin levels, which is required for healthy sleep and this can really affect your sleep cycle. And so just making sure to get those eight hours. Um, I've been trying to wake up earlier and go to go to bed earlier and then wake up earlier. So, cause I think that morning time, especially as it gets hotter is really nice for getting outside in a, in a, um, in a way that's isolated from the rest of your day. So even if you don't, aren't able to get outside for the rest of the day, if you can get up and get out, um, then it's like sort of like a checklist item, even though it should be, it's, it's, it'll turn into like a luxury, but it just makes sure that that happens every day. 
And my mom's been helping me do that more too. <laughs> this is kind of, I mean, kind of going back a little bit, but talking about that, like being alone in outdoor space. So it's like an exercise we did in the seminar I took that I keep talking about, um, but we did like a camping trip and we all had to like go somewhere that like, you couldn't see the rest of the class in nature. Um, but I'm now drawing this parallel to like um, scuba diving because I grew up scuba diving a lot. And like that's somewhere where you have like literally like no interaction with other people. Like even if you're physically with other people, you can't like communicate with them. And so I think that's when I feel like the most connected to nature because I'm like fully immersed in a completely different ecosystem. Um, but like I'm having this like thought of like why I like it so much, like it might all kind of be connected. <laughs> Chelsea, I also scuba dive. I haven't my whole life, but I recently started. And it's it's definitely that you can't interact with other people. And so there's just like all the fishies and like the cool corals. And my struggle is that like when you go on a guided dive, they want you to like follow along and like stay in a group and go somewhere. And I'm like, can you just leave me alone to stare at like this rock for 45 minutes? Because it's really cool. Um so I definitely, I, I think the isolation of that um, is amazing. And one other thing I did want to mention, it's like, we talked about the science way in the beginning, um, but I found a couple of cool things about being in nature also can impact your self-esteem. It can reduce um, anxiety. It can actually help with attention deficit disorder. And it's been found to lessen aggression and actually reduce crime. Uh, um, so not only is it great for your personal mental health, but it just like improves society as a whole. So before we go, I think it's important to mention that as a culture, as we increasingly learn to value wild spaces for their positive effects on our mental health and our overall well-being, that we can't forget that they're at risk. Human consumption and human-centric lifestyles are quickly chipping away at the wild spaces that remain across the planet. More of the Amazon disappears every day. We're killing all the fish in the ocean. <laughs> A little dramatic, but you know what I mean. And less than 25% of the world's landmass is still considered wilderness, um, and that is getting smaller every day. So if we want to continue to enjoy the benefits of nature, it's important to focus on environmental protection and stewardship, um, changing our own habits, and pressuring companies and governments to adjust their policies to preserve natural spaces. Also, make sure to check out our social media. We'll be posting tips that we uh, talked about throughout this podcast on our um, ISC Instagram. So if you want to have a place where we've consolidated some tips, they will be there. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next time.